0: Psalm 42 fits so well with what we're going to talk about this morning, and I don't know, Jordan did that on purpose. Um, if he didn't, though, it just reminds me of how, you know, we, we don't talk. Jordan has no idea what I'm talking about. I have no idea what songs he picks, but it's pretty much half of my sermon was in that song, you know. So, uh, so it's just it's just awesome how God puts that all together, um, and just just his in his perfect, um, his perfect will. So, this morning. Robbie has tasked me with covering 17 verses of Colossians 3. Um, so it takes him 40 minutes to cover five to fit five to six. So I got about 120 minutes this morning. So uh, hopefully the movie at one o'clock is good. I'll at least see the previews, which my wife says is the best part anyway. Uh, so um, we'll we'll see as far as we can go. But so on a serious note, though, I'm going to try to pull out what I feel God's placed on my heart to share this morning. The the I challenge you to, to dive more into it this week because there's no way I can cover everything in, in, in verses 1 through 17. Uh, it is full of, of just God's word for our lives. It's very life applicable. So, so I challenge you to kind of dig in a little bit more on your own during your, during your own devotion time this, more, this week and uh, kind of just really lean on God for what uh, you feel like he wants to pull out for you. Um, this week as well. So let me pray and then we will kind of dive right in. Uh, dear Lord, uh, we thank you for your love for us, Lord. Uh, you are, you're just awesome, Lord God. We're reminded every morning and every day of your goodness and, and how much you love us and how much you care for us, Lord. And it's just unimaginable sometimes just just to think that the depth of that love you have for us, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just open up our hearts and our minds and our ears, Lord, God, to what you want us to learn this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, to help me just get out of the way and let you work, Lord. In I pray. Amen. So we're continuing the scripture series uh, as we work through Colossians. So this morning is chapters 3, 1 through 17. So who remembers the game show? Name that tune. I might be dating myself here, and I'm trying to not give you feedback here. All right. Very few. So we're going to play Name That Tune this morning. So we're going to play a song, and if you know the name of the song, shout it out. Gosh, that was pretty quick. Holy cow. All right, Total Eclipse of the Heart. All right, if you knew that song, I'm sorry, but you're old. All right, um, or you really love music, so uh, either one or the other. Who's this singer? Oh my gosh, how do you know that? You weren't even close to born when this happened. What year did it come out? 80 something, right? (laughs) 1983, Sydney, it's way before you were even close to being born. So song by Bonnie Tyler, uh, 1983. So I know there's only a small minority who are alive in 1983. Um, I was seven in 1983, but I do remember this song on long car road trips, listening to Chicago yes. and Air Supply, right, and the Eagles, because my parents would play those cassette, you know, cassette tapes, you know, they got Robbie actually does one in his truck, which is, does it still work? Yes. Oh, wow. Um, so, eight track. Uh, so, um, but... So for some reason, besides being a classic title of an 80s love ballad, I believe it fits well for Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And hopefully by the end, you kind of see how it fits in together. But let's go ahead and and dive into Scripture, uh, and um, then we will kind of go from there. So I'm reading on the NIV version. I keep my Bible from not falling apart as we work through here. All right, so beginning in chapter 3, verse 1. and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs of gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. The Father through him so a lot of stuff uh, to, to that, that Paul's bringing to the church um, in Colossians uh, here and beginning with this chapter Paul begins to make, he makes a dramatic shift in themes from what was discussed in the first two chapters that we that we just the last couple of weeks uh, pastor Robbie went through. In the first two chapters, Paul's really, and, and I'm not going to review it all because you were here if you weren't listening to the podcast, but Paul was talking about the supremacy of Christ and really revealing to the Church at Colossae what Christ did for them and us by dying on the cross. But at the end of chapter 2, he begins to stress to them how their lives should look differently because of what Christ did. Right? It's great to know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that we have eternal life through him. But our lives have to reflect that we know this information. If I just know it, and I don't change anything, there's no point in me knowing it. All right? So so Paul, at the end of chapter 2, begins to stress this to us and the Colossians church. He says in chapters 2, uh, verse 20 through 23, and it's gonna, I'm going to read it. It's on the screen. Since you died with Christ... To the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But They lack any value in restrain in restraining sensual indulgence, so Paul begins to prime the pump, so to say, for what he's about to tell the church in chapter three, right? He's he's telling them again that since Christ died for them, they need to stop living for the rules of this world. It's like Jordan said in Psalm forty-two, you know, and, and when he prayed about, it, we need to s- to stop looking at the things of the of the world and these earthly things. Stop putting our focus and attention on those, but really st- to start look at how we need to change our lives. All right, this kind of go back to a pastor I talked about last week is Paul Paul reminds them not to be led astray by the rules of society. Right? The world tells us that we need to live in such a way. We need to chase after the quote-unquote American dream. All right? We need to figure out how much money can we make? How much stuff can we have? And those are all things of this world. This isn't what Christ and this is what God wants for our lives. So our actions, our attitudes, our thoughts all need to change. And Paul begins to, to, to tell this to the church, um, it, beginning with chapter 3. He basically begins a full-on assault trying to teach them a basic how-to manual. Right, it's like New Christians for Dummies, Right, the how-to manual. Right, each chapter is going to be a different idea of what they need to change, how they change that. So, and, and Paul really doesn't, one thing I love about Paul is he doesn't beat around the bush. He's, he's, he's straightforward. He's going to tell it as it is, like it or not. It, it, it's, it's who he is and, and how he's going to deliver his message. So he's going to begin to tell the church how their lives should look different because of, of what he did for us on the cross. All right, remind me of John 3.17. It said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God wants us to be successful in what he wants us to do. It's a difference between earthly success and what the world's telling us. The world defines success as one thing. God defines success in a totally different way. So God sent his son so that we, with our lives, is gratitude and how we live our lives. gratitude towards what he to, for him sending his son right every day right the goal my goal at the end of the day is that when I'm done my life reflected Christ in a way that showed my gratitude for him sending his son easy there's some days a lot easier than others right now during the summer when there's no athletes on campus a lot easier than during the during the school year Right, but God, that that's my that needs to be our attitude, right? Everything we say, everything we do, needs to reflect our gratitude tor- towards Jesus. So Paul begins to throw down, also throws down a challenge to us, because as we all know, it's very easy to slip back into the patterns and habits of our old lives. Right when when things get tough, right when decisions don't go the way we want it to go, right our our reset button is to go back to chasing after life before we knew Christ, right? Christ never tells, God never tells it's going to be easy when we choose to follow him. Sometimes it, quote unquote, easier to live the life not following God. So when things get tough, Paul challenges them not to fall back into those patterns, to continue to make the choice to follow Jesus, right? But the awesome thing is that once we make that choice, once we make that decision to live a life following God, he never leaves us. Right, even in the Old Testament, he he talks about this in Deuteronomy thirty-one eight. It says, "The Lord Himself goes before you, and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. So He's always going to be there when we make that choice, that conscious decision that you're we're going to be a Christ follower, that I'm going to live my life for Christ. He's always going to be there for us." Scripture tells us that, but we still have to make the choice. Every day I wake up or we wake up, it's a conscious decision that I'm going to follow God today. That I'm going to seek him in every decision. Could he make me do it? Without a doubt. He's God. He can make me do whatever he wants. But the awesome thing about this, this life following Christ is that he doesn't make us do it. Right, he wants us to make that choice. Because, right, you know, when you remember when you were kids or if you have kids now, when you make your kids do it or when somebody makes you do something, you're not doing it because you want to do it. right? You're doing it because you have to do it. Right, and you just want to check the box and say, I'm done with that. And you're really not learning or trying to get anything out of it. So when we make that choice, personal choice to follow him, right? then we get what God wants to get out of it. So let's get back uh, to Scripture. Uh, so, my translation calls this section Rules for Holy Living. So, I looked up what the word actually holy means, and Webster defines holy as dedicated or consecrated to God or a religious person. To me, the word dedicated brings some gravity to the picture. I guess th- think about things that we dedicate. Right, what are some things that we dedicate? Babies? What's <laughs> that? Time, right? Uh, Sometimes you have house dedications, right, your marriages, right, buildings, right, to, to serve God, All right? So the word dedicated brings some gravity to the situation in that, that Paul is briskly giving us rules, again, on how to live our life with one purpose in mind, and that's to be dedicated to the one who created us. So I believe that these verses can be broken down into three parts. All right, the first, the first main theme I get out of this is... Uh, New life with Christ, and this can be found in verses 1 through 4. So, again, it says this in verses 1 through 4. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, for Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. A couple things I, I... out of this verses. You know, you notice he uses the phrase, since then you have been raised with Christ. It doesn't say if, right? It doesn't say when, right? It says since then. Alright, this parallels what he says in 220 when he says since you died with Christ. Since then indicates that Paul is writing to people who already accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right? So he's writing to the 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 Christians in Colossae. He's writing to us. Right? Sh- he's showing us that just as Christ as has died and was resurrected, so is our life. Right? This symbolizes symbolizes our dying to our old self and taking on new life with Christ. But it's more than just that as he, as he as he keeps going, it says he continues with that. Due to this, we must set our hearts and minds on things above. Right. There, there's a caveat there. It's it's since you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've decided to live a life following me. You must do this. Right. You must set your your eyes and your thoughts on things above. Right. It's a change in perspective, a change in mindset. You went before you accepted Jesus you set your minds on things of this earth. Now, since you've accepted Jesus, now you must set your, your mind on things above. All right, so your eyes must must look to him. So when we do this, our actions, thoughts, and words will change automatically because we are focused on what he desires and not what our, what I desire. All right, the word things above, again, not only refer to that physical setting of heaven where Jesus sits at the right hand of God, but it also refers to putting the priorities of heaven into daily practice in my life. Again, easier said than done. Paul uses a similar train of thought to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 4 9, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace be with you. Again, Paul is telling the church in, in, in Colossae, the Colossian church, that accepting Christ alone is not enough. It's a huge decision. I'm not downplaying the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But that alone is not enough. All right. Once we make that decision, once you make that decision, you must now change your perspective. Start to focus on, on him. Start to focus on things above. So in your actions, your attitudes, your thoughts, your deeds, reflect this, this decision you've made in your life. Because if we can live like this, if every decision that, that we make, we seek Him, we can avoid those man made laws and principles. Right? We can avoid focusing on earthly things. And now we focus on things that He wants. Right? We can we can we can really now focus on what God wants for us and then this automatically should become a para- a a, f- a way that we live again easier said than done i shared the last time um, i i share, i i preached is the story of ben and how he changed my thought and attitudes towards uh, displaced individuals right we, we we need to have those moments to where we to start now focus on things of this, of 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 god right not easy cuz right? cuz the world tells us one thing we need to focus, focus on him. Right, if we look at verse 3 and 4, it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And Christ, who is your life, appears. Then you will also appear with him in glory. I love the word with in this verse because it indicates Christ is with us. Right? It's not a do-it-on-your-own thing. Right? He's always there. Once I make that decision, he is with us. Even when I fail and when I fall short, he's there. He's there waiting for me to turn back to him. Right, Pastor once used this analogy to me and it, and it stuck with me for a long time is, is God's always behind us. Right, he, he's, he's next to us, He's behind us. When I sin, when I fall short, it's not God turning his back on me. I'm turning my back on God. but he's still there. Right. And as far and as fast as I might try to run from him, he's still there waiting for me to turn back towards him. Right. It's like the the parable of the prodigal son paints this picture really well. Right. The the father's always waiting there every day for his son to return. That's God. Right. So we can't get frustrated when when we mess up because it's 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 going to happen. Right. We're, n- we're not perfect. Like I tell my boys all the time. There's one perfect person to work this world. And it's Jesus. Right. We're going to make mistakes. Right. We're going to fall short. But we need to remember that when we do make the mistakes, God is there waiting for us to turn back to him. All right, the second theme is a how not to live. Verses five through eleven. He says this put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Hence, there's no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. I said, Paul doesn't mince words. He's an equal opportunity offender here, right? He, some, you're hit, every person is hit somewhere in that portion of Scripture. But I like to think of it, it's not a list of things we can't do. If we've truly chosen to follow him, these are more of a list of things that I don't want to do. Right? If you were offended by one of those things that he listed, that's God speaking to your heart, that you need to turn it over to him. The same pastor who gave me the, that image I talked about earlier, he used to quote this all the time, and the quote was, dead people can't be offended. All right, it took me a moment to kind of get it, but I get it now. Right? If you've died to yourself and you've accepted Christ, this list shouldn't offend you. Cuz everything that you're doing is to glorify God. Right? If you become offended, then that's probably something you got to take to God something that you and God need to work on. It's important to remember two things about this list. One, there is a full expectation that we will abandon these vices and live out virtues, and this represents that we have truly died to ourself. The second is this expectation is grounded in Christology as we being transformed into Christ's image, as it says in verse 10. And if we are being transformed, truly allowing ourselves to be transformed to Christ's image, you have no problems giving up something on that list. All right, so I'm going to read the list again. I want you to think about which one do you truly struggle with? I'm going to take a moment and just I want you to pray that God reveals, reveals what he wants to reveal to you um, right now. So the list again, you pick it up in verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever brings to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. In verse 8, you must rid yourselves of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. Take a moment. Just kind of ask for God to reveal. Amen. All right, me personally, moment of transparency is the one I struggle with the most is greed. And even saying that now, I want to justify it, right? I want to say I'm not bad as so-and-so, right? But I'm not supposed to be comparing myself to so-and-so. Right? I'm comparing myself to, to God. So it this idea of greed is kind of always been a struggle, especially since we've been married Um 20 years see every month ashley and i used to sit down and we did a monthly budget together and we don't do it as much anymore and to be honest it's probably my fault um and she probably doesn't want to do with me uh because usually what happened after um, we were done a budget night but uh but i do miss these nights because generally she knew i wasn't going to be in a great mood after budget night and she had some kind of sweet treat, generally ice cream, right? And ice cream f- makes everything feel better. So I didn't realize this at first, but then eventually I started to piece it together while it was always ice cream on budget night. But, uh, <coughs> but we had this spreadsheet, sort of like finan- uh, Crown Financial, um, where you put in all your income, you put in your expenses, and then there was this box at the top that changed colors. Based on if you were doing good or bad. And man, if it was green, you're good to go. It means that you made more than you spent. Green was good. If it was yellow, it means you broke even. And if it was red, why they made it red, I don't know because I was seeing red anyway. But if it was red, that means that you spent more than you made. So the problem, my issue with greed is regardless of the color, I would get mad. I didn't care if it was green, because my thought was, gosh, it should be more green, right? Because if we had more green, then we could do more fun stuff, right? If it was yellow, again, instead of thanking God that he provided what we needed, I'm like, if we had more, if it was green, we could do more fun stuff. But if it was red, that didn't end well. And and I just struggle with this all every month. And even though Ashley would tell me, because, I mean, she's definitely the better half, that he always provides, which is true. He always has provided. I really didn't want to hear it at that time. Because right? I'm just focused on the color of the box or the number that's in the box. And and I would go into some sort of self-loathing focused on earthly things rant of I need to get paid more by employer I need to find a new job because they're not paying me enough all negative things and the problem was it didn't just it didn't just stay focused at that f- that point of time in our in our kitchen table at night it would carry over into the next day and the next day this funk would carry over and then it would f- affect my ability to show people Christ So that's my issue. What's yours? Right? We all have issues. You know, the challenge is what is God trying to work on you? I'd love for you to say that I'm cured of this and I still don't have this problem. But I will first person to tell you no and if you ask Asher, she'll definitely tell you no, right? Because even though I can think and remember times when he did provide, I mean, we lived in California. Our rent was $900 a month. We lived on $32,000 because I was the only job. And we never went for needing anything. There was always food on the table. There was clothes on our kids' backs. And we never had to turn up uh, a utility bill. So God always provided, even when it didn't make sense. Even when you sit back and go, "Yeah, there's no way there's enough to do that this month," either an unexpected check came in, or a job opportunity would come so I could make some extra money. He always provided, but I still struggle with the idea of greed because I'm focused on earthly things. So what what do you what are you waiting for? What do you, what is He trying to work on you? What are you holding back from God? Because right, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So much more stuff. we got to get going. All right, uh, verse 10. Let's get to verse 10. It says, uh, We have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. All right, putting on the new self by living this way, we're putting our new self in Christ since he is our new self. And there's three ways to do this. Simple steps, but not always easy to do. One, daily being in the Word. Finding that time to be in the Word. Two, looking for opportunities to serve. Be in the hands and feet of Christ. Doing it, and, and not just through organizations, but like, you could serve your job. Right? You serve your family. How, what's your attitude as, as you go to that every day? And three is loving others. Again, simple steps, but things that that, that I know I struggle with. All right, Paul echoes this in Second Corinthians three eighteen when it says, "And we who have unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, as we are being transformed into His likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit." All right, remember, it's a constant renewal. Right, it's a not a one time thing. I, you know, I wish it was. I wish it was one time. I pray about it, take my greed away, and it's gone. All right, and then I'm, I'm cured of it, but it's not. It's a constant renewal, uh, constantly seeking God every day for what he has for you that day. Our right, third theme is how to live, verse 12 through 17. It says there, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and ever all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Alright, so Paul ends this section with a how to live holy list. All right? he gives us six, what I feel six daily strategies that we can put into practice each day. It sounds a lot like the way Luke describes the church in Acts chapter 2. Alright, if you read, read back and read Acts 2, 42 through 47, all right? Luke is 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 telling the, the people this is how this is what church should look like. Alright, so six six basic principles that that uh, Paul gives us here. First, Imitate Christ's compassionate and forgiving attitude. Talks that in verses 12, 13. So who do you need to forgive? Right? Who are you harboring ill will against that's preventing you from being able to serve God? Because you can't serve him if you're still harboring ill will against people. Because if you're still, if you're not forgiving people, you're not you're not focused on things of the, of 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 heaven. So who do you need to forgive? The second is let love guide your life. In verse 14. Again, we're not talking about romantic love here. We're talking about love that represents a Christ follower. The type of love that puts the needs of others above your own. Right? The whole idea was the the thing a couple years ago, the live second kind of uh, the Crusade is a bad word. Can't think of the word right now. But, you know, everyone have the bracelets to live second, right? So putting the, the needs of others above your own. All right, the third, the third is let the peace of Christ rule in your heart in verse 15. If, if, you, if you don't have the peace of Christ, right, if you're constantly fighting the same battle, it's probably because you truly haven't given that over to God. All right, so so what, what are you not giving to God that prevent you from having peace in your life. Four is always be thankful, found in verse 15. It's like Jordan talked about this morning. To be thankful, to find something to be thankful about. It's so easy to focus on the bad stuff. It's so easy for me to focus on that we don't have enough money. Instead of being thankful for, I have a house, food. Healthy family. So it's focus, be thankful, focus on the good stuff. Uh, fifth point, keep God's word in you at all times. All right, again, verse 16. This is part of the constantly renewing process that must happen daily. And the last is to live as Christ's representative in verse 17. All right? You play for his team. Alright, I had to throw a sports reference in there because I didn't last message and and that just wouldn't go right. So if you ever seen the movie Miracle, you ever seen the movie Miracle? Right, it's based on the 1980 USA hockey team. Right, they were the mirror, the, the miracle on ice. They beat the the U- the team from USSR who hadn't lost in the Olympics since 1964. And the whole thing follows Coach Herb Brooks as he breaks down each member of his team to actually become a team. And there's one great quote in there, and I'm going to change it a little bit, but it says, uh, it "says when you pull on that jersey, right, the name on the front." is a heck of a lot more important than the one in the back. So when we walk out of our house or when we get up every day and we get dressed, we are representing Christ in our houses and outside of our houses. When we walk out the door, it doesn't matter who's getting the glory. It doesn't matter whose name's on the back. It's whose name's on the front, right? And we represent Christ. Christ's name is on the front of our clothes. Every situation we go into, people should be seeing Christ. You know, we don't serve as Legacy City for Legacy City to get the the Adelaides. We serve as Legacy City so Christ gets the Adelaides and gets the praise. So we are his representatives. So let me close with this. August twenty first, twenty seventeen. Anyone know what that day represents? I put these on, it should help. <laughs> Holy cow, I can't see anything, right? What happened August 21st, 2017? The solar eclipse. We were fortunate enough to be in the direct path of the eclipse. Long story short, not to get too technical, but because there, there are total websites to take kids to eclipses, which is crazy. But this happens when the orbital planes intersect, and the distances align favorably, the new moon can appear to completely blot out the disk of the sun. On the average, a total eclipse occurs somewhere on Earth about every eighteen months. All right, there are different types of eclipses, but the one that we see here is a total eclipse. The bright layer around the outside is called the corona. And for God placed this image on my heart when I was talking when I was preparing for this message, because let's pretend for a second. That God's represented by the sun. Our sinful lives are the moon. Right when we sin, when we fall short, when we focus on things of this earth, we block God out. But He's always there, as can be seen here. He's always behind us. But secondly, even when we do that. When we block out God, he can still be seen, right? His light is so bright in what he wants to do with our lives that he can still be seen. The challenge every day is not to block him out, right? is to focus on him every moment of every day. Easier said than done, but when we do fail, he's still there behind us every step. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for who you are in our life. We thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord God, that regardless of how I live my life, you're behind me, Lord God. Your word says you're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake us. You're behind us 100%, Lord God. So, I pray, Lord, that, that we remember that. And when we do fall short, Lord, we don't get discouraged. We don't get despaired, Lord God. But we just remember to turn towards you. And we just ask for your forgiveness. And we ask for your help. And we ask for your strength, Lord. Lord, we love you. Help us to go out of here just with ways to change our lives, to reflect you every day. To Remember that we are your representatives and everything that we do and say and their actions must reflect our decision to follow.